don't. Okay, I'm just going to say I'm freaking okay. out and I'm fangirling and I've never been oh so nervous oh. to be on our podcast <laughs> with anybody. Oh my oh. gosh. I'm nervous. I, I always get so nervous when I'm a, like a guest on a podcast. I'm like, I'm scared. I'm going to like, just fumble all my words. <laughs> We're awful too. Cause there's so many of us. <laughs> it's like, hi. Well, okay. that makes it easier though. I feel less pressure. I'm like, this is great. There's so many. This is perfect. Welcome. I'm welcome. Zoe. I should, I'm going to introduce myself and let the girls yeah. introduce themselves as well. My name is Rachel and I'm so grateful for you to be here. I'm going to let Jen Dunn go first, who also just jumped out of the screen at you when you beeped in. She's your biggest fan and she's about to Aww. get weird. It's not going to get better. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Talk Like a Mother Parenting Autism Podcast. We are Jen, Kim, Rachel, and Jamie. Take a seat at our table as we share with hope, humor, and honesty. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. We are excited to talk like a mother with Zoe Potter today. You may know Zoe from Instagram and TikTok. Um, We first heard her name because Jen Dunn is one of her biggest fans. I'm going to tell you all about her in a moment, but first, hey, Zoe. Hi. Before anything else, or uh, so our listeners can follow you before they start their drive or their what they're doing, will you tell everyone where they can find you and then we'll get mm-hmm. started? Yeah. Uh, love Zoe Potter across TikTok and Instagram, just Zoe Potter on YouTube. And if you want to listen to my podcast, it's the Kinda Influenced podcast. And you can find our socials just by searching Kinda Influenced podcast. <laughs> Thank you. For everyone that has not followed Zoe, you should know that she lives in Ontario, Canada with her husband, Andrew, um, her daughter, Marlo, and son, Theo. Because Jen is extra big fan, uh, we know that your dog's name is Reese. They eat gluten-free food from the pet store off 3rd Avenue. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) We know, I do know though, that you're a diet poker and that uh, you cut your hair recently. It's darling. What a good laugh. Oh, thank you. Yes, I love a good diet Coke. And yeah, I chopped off my hair and I'm kind of regretting it, but yeah, just fractionally. Like I, I still like it, but I just, I... It's, it's such a commitment to grow it back. So I'm like, I kind of miss it. And I know it's going to be a while before it gets there. So yeah, so cute. Uh, in a more serious way, Zoe has focused on plus size fashion, lifestyle, anti-diet and self-love content. We knew that she'd be the perfect fit for this episode about intuitive eating and body positivity. And we'll even be able to chat about her posts about what she eats in a day. Um, Zoe, can we start with your thoughts behind body positivity? Because I need a guru. So I personally, I'm not really a body positive page, but I do know that my page does kind of go like hand in hand with it. So I'm never offended when someone says like, oh, like, how do I, you know, do this or do that with body positivity? It's just like a very specific movement that was like made years ago. And, um, it focuses on, you know, there's so many like aspects and realms to it. And I kind of just fall under the, I'm trying to do my best and I'm trying to love myself as I go kind of page, which does kind of go hand in hand really nicely. So I just kind of fell into it on accident a few years ago after having my son, I was kind of stuck in a really bad place. I didn't love myself. I've never loved myself. I've always been actively trying to change my body, myself, pretty much everything about myself I've never enjoyed. And after having my son, I had really severe postpartum depression. And I just kind of took a break from dieting and wanted to just try and accept myself for who I am in that moment. It Mm -hmm. took a very long time. (laughs) Um, I documented it publicly. I had lots of ups and downs. 
And I kind of built a community along the way. So I'm very grateful for it. And to this day, I can say that I no longer hate myself. We're on pretty good terms. Oh, I love that. (laughs) We're on pretty good terms. I love that. Congratulations. What a shift. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's like a weight, physical and literal weight lifted off your shoulder when that happens. So, so I found you by typing in what I eat in a day because I Mm. love videos. And so that's how I stumbled across you. I just found you like on Instagram, just scrolling. And then I'm like, oh, I like these. And then you know how the algorithm is if you like watch something, it just like oh, shows they... you more. So yeah, <laughs> so when she said Zoe Potter, I'm like, yeah, I know who she is. Like, I, I don't know as much about you as Jen does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I know as much about myself as Jen does. <laughs> I find um, Zoe that it's true across lots of different shifts with mindset that one thing leads to another. So to me, it sounds like even if your intent was to first focus on who you are and then loving yourself through what you find, listening to yourself had to have led to a little bit of your intuitive eating, or at least maybe Mm -hmm. the research behind sort of that push for you. Is that, does that feel right? Like they sort of, yeah, like accepting you and loving you led to listening to your, you know, your cues more. Yes, that's exactly it. I kind of took a break from dieting because Mm I had been on a diet off and on my entire life and I just needed a bit of a change. So I stopped dieting and I just started not giving myself restrictions and kind of falling in to see what happens. And then in doing so, I found intuitive eating and it has worked really well for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but it has worked really well for me. I am in recovery from disordered eating habits. And I found that because I was able to kind of give myself a bit a break when it comes to labeling foods as good or bad, really kind Mm -hmm. of taking in the moment when I'm eating. That was another thing for me too, is I would kind of just go in blind when I would eat, I would just go in and eat. And it would just be like, a free-for-all. Sometimes I would just stand in front of the fridge and eat. Like it was very damaging for me, especially Mm -hmm. when I was dieting because I would like have extreme restrictions for long periods of time. Some days I'd go three days without eating. Then in turn, it would turn into binging. And it would, it was just like, it's like an up and down cycle and it wasn't working. Clearly it wasn't working. So with intuitive eating, I found that when I don't have to limit the food I have or restrict the food I have, my relationship with food just got so much better. It took time. It's not linear. Like it's definitely an up and down road and I have good days and bad still, but I just found myself craving good food and Mm -hmm. craving certain kinds of food. And I was very in tune to what I wanted in that moment. And I focused on that. So I think in doing that, it just kind of worked out to be what works best for me. I, again, I'm everyone's sure that, so different. I'm sure that process just sort of cleaned things up little by little as you go. Like, um, I have a very dear friend who I've grown up with and we've kind of parented together and things got kind of hard for both of us at the same time in our lives. And she went to intuitive eating and like the anti-diet because she had done all of this, like I'm going to try this and then gain 10 extra. And then I'm going to try this and then gain five more. And she has such a freedom about her relationship to food and that it's fueling her body. It's just such a different mindset for Mm -hmm. those people that don't really understand so much. Can you describe the anti-diet parts of it? Yeah. So 
basically how it is, is I don't track, like I'm not tracking calories. I'm not tracking macros. I'm obviously aware of, you know, certain things like I need, you know, more fiber in order to make my body feel good. Um, I mm-hmm. personally cut down on sweets before bad or else my anxiety like jumps up things like that. I'm super aware of. And mm-hmm. that just comes like with intuitive eating. You learn to figure out what makes your body feel good and what your body is needing in that moment. But at the same time, you know, I'm very aware of like, man, like I can't stop thinking about like something salty. Like I really want something salty, but instead of like ignoring those, who doesn't want a Frito at any given moment, right? Or like, if you want that something sweet, you don't turn it away. You give your body and your soul and your mind what you need in the moment. And then you find Uh that you're not overindulging as much or like I I find that I'm not craving things to the point where it's making me sick and I'm like you know making myself sick then in turn by binging or by restricting so over time it's worked well for me and yeah it's just I mean it's something that I find is easier to just live and learn as you do it than Mm -hmm. to like write it down and be like, this is what needs to be done. So I also like remove a lot of electronic, like I'm, I try not to eat in front of the television too. So I can listen to my hunger cues and I can kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, as I'm eating, I'm like, am I getting full? Cause like for the longest time I didn't have a full button. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. (laughs) So I don't know what it's like to just be like, Oh, I'm full. I'm going to stop now. Like, um, so. Well, it's even like satisfied, right? Like deeper than just fullness. It's like, you're, you're not trying to satiate with some big feelings with exactly that's another thing too yeah I mean we we're all human I still have bad days and like today I definitely had like three of four of those like chocolate covered Ritz crackers back to back because I'm like my soul hurts so this makes my soul feel good is it because you were fangirling over meeting Jen Dunn don't mind it was it was (laughs) I'm the big dieter at the table I am oh yeah oh I'm the crazy so I've done LA weight loss weight watchers Dr. Bernstein. And I'm going to be honest, I finished it with Ozempic. I was the Ozempic girl. I went Mm -hmm. from 173.3 to 112.8. I can't maintain 112.8. To be very clear, I'm sitting from that Mm -hmm. into the 120s. But the yo-yoing, like Rachel said, you lose 20, you gain 10. You lose 10, you gain five. And it's like this, my whole, since I had my daughter, I, that, that's when I went on maternity leave because Canada waived maternity leave. I'd never really been off for a year paid. I didn't have anything else to do but drink or, or not drink. You took a drink, your drink. I didn't drink. I ate. I had a weight on maternity leave. That's actually yeah. when I gained all my weight. And yep. as my daughter's 13, for the last 13 years, I have struggled immensely with my weight. And I'm five feet tall. Mm-hmm. So any diet there was, I've done it. I've tried it. They all work, but they're not sustainable. That's it's not, it's the, the sustainability. Exactly. The you sustainability. can't do it all forever. Unless, I mean, to be fair, I'm very much for, you got to do what works for you. If you yeah, have something right. you love and you do, and that works, stick with it. As long as you're, you're happy and you feel okay. And your mental health is good. That's what's important. Um, but I just knew it, dieting and like extreme dieting and restrictive dieting, it just didn't work for me. So I was like, I got, I got to figure out what's going on. And I, I knew that a big part of it was mental and 
you know, I worked on it through therapy and counseling and a lot of self-reflection and a lot of time spent. Those are such easy things. Well, I'll just say, oh, right? I'm <laughs> <laughs> ever this week, we're at Wednesday of trying this into it, of, of just eating when I'm hungry and what I want and not, my big thing is to not binge, try to not mm-hmm. binge because I've restricted all week. But then I ordered a pint of ice cream last night. I did eat all of it. So I kind of failed yesterday. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it's a pint though. It's not like it's a, it's like, okay, I know I can have it. So I actually don't go crazy to have it. It's a a mindset, right? It's a mindset Mm -hmm. thing, right? Like you can have this, but you don't have to eat the whole pint of it or the whole bag of it or whatever. So that's a big shift for me. I'm trying it. I'm give yourself time and grace. Yeah that's just how we were brought up too. So I got into intuitive eating through baby led weaning when I had my kids. Oh, I love that. But I wanted to raise my kids where like, and this is hard to do, like where treats aren't always associated with like fun things. So you can have fun without treats, that kind of idea. And that led me to intuitive eating, which I love, but it is like, I'm hoping I can raise my kids with more of that mindset Mm -hmm. as opposed to like how we were, where it's like, I mean, when I grew up, it was like, okay, you only have treats like around Christmas or around a birthday. And then you go insane. Just the way, I think the way like the last few generations were raised, we were really taught to like only like deprive ourselves and then indulge it, deprive ourselves. And indulge. So it's so. like, yeah, hopefully the next generation's a little better about it. Maybe I hope so too, like, for our kids sake, <laughs> how bad that well, is for your body. Like I never, I'm, yeah. fit, I'm turning 51 in a couple of weeks and I never really thought about my body. And my mom actually said to me, Jennifer, you're going to drop dead. You can't do that to your body. You can't be so great. And then just take these days where you're eating until you're sick, which is literally what I did on Saturday. I ate myself sick on Saturday. So Mm -hmm. it's like learning that balance of what your body needs, what you should have. And it's hard. It is very hard. hard. I've actually never heard of intuitive eating until now, but my struggle is like, I'm like all or nothing. Yeah. It's just so hard. Like last year from like January to like August, not saying I was perfect. I lost like 25 pounds and I did kind of like low carb. Like I did keto for like five minutes and I was like, that's way too restrictive for me. So I did like low carb, but now I've gained it all back because then we went on vacation and I was like, well, I'm not going to be on diet. I'm on vacation, you know, and then the holidays were coming. There's like always a reason not like not to do it. Then uh, me and my husband just went on a cruise. So I'm like, I mean, I'm not going to start before the cruise, I would be stupid. <laughs> like, So then, you know, now this is supposed to be the week that I'm back to like doing good, which I'm not. I mean, the second I tell myself I'm on a diet, all I want to do is eat. Like, I do not eat this much on a normal basis. Like, but the second I'm on a diet, it's like, I'm hungry, but I don't know if I'm actually hungry. If it's my brain thinks I'm hungry because I'm trying to not eat, if that makes sense. So it's like, yeah, like I don't even eat this much on a normal day during the day when I'm not on a diet. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm hungry. I need a snack. I'm hungry. I didn't have lunch. I I need this. And it's just like, it's, and then I just beat myself up because I'm like, ah, oh, like I could be down 50 pounds by now. I could be down this much by now if I didn't just like give up and it's it's just really hard for me to do that thing where you're like oh I'll have a little bit of this a little a little bit of that because then it's like once I start doing it I just want it like more and more and more so then I'm like 
then well, before I know it, I'm like off the diet. So I'm like, then oh. I fell into the Ozempic craze. I mean, I just walked into a walk-in clinic and I asked for it. He didn't weigh me. He didn't even ask me what I weighed. He just wrote a pres- an endless prescription. I mean, the girls were like, you're filling it again. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yes, I am. But you have to stop it at some point. It made me very nervous. And so now I'm off it. So it's like, there's nowhere to go from here. Like I've done it all. The thing with diets and diet culture and society is that they make these programs so that they're made to fail because they don't make money off you. If you succeed, there's always going to be something new and trendy and shiny and fancy. That's going to be the next best thing to help you feel good and look skinny and this and that, because that's what they want. That's how they profit. That's how the media profits. That's how society profits off it. And that's how these billion dollar corporations do too. Whether it just be like low carb foods, keto friendly bars, like Ozempic, Mm -hmm. the pills, like it's all marketing because they don't make Mm -hmm. money when you're happy and when you're okay. (laughs) So I think that when you have that in the back of your head, when you are going into things like a diet where then you're like, oh my gosh, this is like the last time I'm ever going to have a potato chip or it's the last time I'm ever going to have a piece of pizza. I have to eat the whole thing. But when you (laughs) do that every time, every time, like, it's like, you've done this so many times, you know, this is true. But it's, it's because it's been drilled into our heads for so long that that's just what we know. That's just how we live. And it's, it's, it's what our parents knew. It's what our parents' parents knew. And that's why it's just been kind of like, it's weird to go against that. And I get all the flack all the time from people being like, that's wrong. That's wrong. You have to be always trying to change yourself and to make yourself smaller. And it's like, wouldn't you hate to know that I feel better now than I did mm-hmm. 60 pounds ago? Sorry. Like regardless of your genes. <laughs> regardless. Yeah. Genes. Genes. Yeah. Genes. Yeah. I don't know how many comments you read on your page. I started following you just before you lost your first page before you got hacked. Oh, or- so a while. A while. Yeah. And you know, people in the comments, like will make comments that you're drinking diet Coke. Oh, and you're drinking with the diet Coke. So how do you handle, do you just, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we're, we're all on Facebook. We have blogs. We get, yeah, it's it's kind of the territory. Yeah. The kids are like there. I stopped sharing a lot of my personal life. So their faces anymore. I, my platform's gotten a lot bigger, which means a lot more people, which means inevitably more trolling which is part of it. When you exist in a fat body on the internet, it's going to come regardless of what you're talking about. I could literally Mm -hmm. be sharing a salad every single day and that's it. And I would still get, you know, the hate. It's just- That's a lot of of dressing. (laughs) Too many croutons. You know about those radishes. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I know shit about radishes. I love radishes, actually. They're delicious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, so I I slowly stopped sharing too much about my personal family online. I still share here and there, but I stopped showing their faces. They're not in a ton of my content. They're in some of it. But at the end of the day, people are always looking for an outlet to put their negativity and usually it it comes off on, on the internet on random strangers pages. And th- these people don't know me. They don't know my content. They don't know. They just are having issues <laughs> mentally themselves. They're probably at mm-hmm. home 
on a, you know, 1200 calorie deficit, you know, working out three times a day, they're angry, they're hangry, they're mad because they're like, why does she get to do this? And I have to do this. And I'm going to, I'm going to share it with everybody I know and make her feel really bad. So I just, for my own mental health, I don't usually check the comment section of a video that I post after like 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, I engage with all of my followers best I can, but you know, I have to, I have to cut it at some point because especially if anything goes like viral ish, that's when they, they come in. So. They come in. Yeah. It's so cool cool to be able to... I don't even know how to post on the TikTok, but I hear <laughs> far more of a set. He calls it the TikTok. So the TikTok, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, okay. I have a question. I need to know how you film a, what I eat in a day video. I just need to know how you do it. Oh, it's so easy. I mean, I do it on my phone. I do everything on my phone. I mean, the odd time I'll use my camera, but majority of the time is on my phone. Um, and I literally will just film little clips throughout the day. So say for instance, I'm filming a what I ate in a day. I film myself drinking and I do it usually on the TikTok app because it's just all there and I'll edit it there. And it's easy to just kind of go through. And I'll usually click a 10 minute function so that I have plenty of time if I run over and I'll just film little clips as I go. So like, for instance, like when I'm eating dinner, I'll usually film myself eating a bite at the counter, film it, put my phone down, walk over to the table, sit down and eat. So it takes like no time at all. Um, a lot of people think that I'm like filming my whole meal, like with my, no, like I'm, I, I take like a couple seconds. <laughs> one bite Your children, like, oh, come on. She's filming a video. So that's every day, <laughs> literally every day. And like, yeah. I leave my phone over on the counter. We sit, we talk, we chat, we do all that fun stuff. And it's super easy, but in total, probably, you know, my videos are between 30 and a seconds and a minute long for what I eat in a days. And in total, the content of like, it's maybe like two or three minutes of content that I need to edit down. It's super easy. And then I just like put in the wording and my favorite part is picking the song because everyone really likes the song oh choices. God. They find it comforting and nostalgic sometimes. So yeah. I get great ideas. It's like, you know, you get ideas like what people eat and how to make things. And yes, that's another thing too, is I like trying new recipes and like sharing different, like I eat some really random recipes sometimes and people like they get on the weird train with me and I feel less alone. <laughs> I didn't know a, a ton about you, but when Jen mentioned you and I started looking, I was like, oh, that's the girl who looks so cute eating. I know this is the most oh. random compliment. But you genuinely, I'm like, when your videos would pop up, I'm like, how do you look cute eating? I oh, like, really? <laughs> thank you. That's yeah. nice. I think it's adorable. Oh. I love her. <laughs> no, thank no. you. The other thing that we've been able to sort of cultivate in our culture is some advice for the moms that listen to us. Mostly we've got moms, we've got some teachers and therapists and stuff. But as I had told you when we very first started recording is we each our writers, we each write about our experience parenting within our families. And so we try and have advice and little takeaways for uh, our listeners throughout our episodes. Uh, I have a couple of questions in this advice sort of focus. Yeah. Do you have advice for someone who wants to get started? Like, what's the first step of letting go of all the structure in eating? Like, is it mindfulness first? Or is it a new routine? Or like, what's the best first thing? broadly. I mean, I realize everybody's got their own shtick, right? 
Yeah. So for me, um, the biggest takeaway was first of all, was to think about what kind of meals I wanted to eat Mm -hmm. and not to restrict those meals. So for the first like six months I did into, I ate like fast food, like every other day for sure, because I Mm -hmm. didn't eat it for so long. And then I was over it. And now I'm kind of over fast food. Like I could, I could give or take it. Like, obviously the odd time, like I crave like, you know, a taco or a fried chicken, but like, doesn't crave a taco. (laughs) No, but I'd rather have a home cooked meal. Like I want, like, I don't want to make it, but I want a home cooked meal. So (laughs) I hello fresh partner now, I believe. Yeah. It's so much easier than like the grocery (laughs) shopping and all that's because I hate grocery shopping with all my heart. But yeah, so I, I, I would make a list of everything, maybe all the foods that you were scared to eat when you were dieting. So I yeah, like had a dream list. Yeah. And some of the yeah. stuff was pretty sad because I was a keto girly. I did keto for like a so year just and like a, a half. Bread. Give me a bread. Literally a give me bun. some bread. Yeah. I wanted an orange and a banana. Mm-hmm. Like and that's banana. sad. Oh my God, if the you banana. Can't, banana. <laughs> you can't have bananas and oranges. Something's wrong. So <laughs> I would make a list of all the things that like scared me or that I avoided. And I just like slowly start having them. And trying mm-hmm. to take away the morals behind it. So yeah. I I would like go and I would get myself like a cheeseburger. I'm not really a cheeseburger person, but like a cheeseburger or like poutine. I don't know. You, you guys aren't in Canada, but poutine's delicious. We've got a Canadian enough okay. to know about that gravy <laughs> like, fries. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. good. Um, things like that, that I had deprived myself of for so long and that I was scared of because that's what diet culture does is it makes it scarier. They're like, hey, you can still have your pizza, but it's going to be on a cauliflower crust with like zero fat cheese. Like enjoy. So enjoy I, <laughs> so I went out of my way to just make a list and keep that like ongoing. And then on top of that, I started to really like focus on my eating. So I would taking away any distractions. So obviously sitting with your family, that's not a distraction, but taking away your phone, taking away the TV, taking away the iPad, the computer, all of that, and just sitting and, and trying to focus on how that food makes you feel as you're eating it. Those are the two biggest takeaways that I would start with right away. And then in turn, you can start, you know, doing things a little more specific, like making sure you're including more fiber and protein and, you know, making sure you're having carbs throughout each meal and like protein throughout each meal. But the two biggest things that I would start with is like trying to think about the foods that you really want to try and like try Mm -hmm. and take away the morality behind it and just eat it. Just eat it. I'm not saying gorge it, but I'm saying eat it. Like go get yourself a combo from Wendy's or Burger King or wherever, have it. And an orange. And an orange and see how it makes you feel. Some foods are good for, you know, nourishment. Some foods are good for your body and some foods are good for your soul. Like people forget that like mental health and physical health, they're buddies. You got to kind of take care of both of them. My, my struggle for people. If, oh yeah. They, they, they don't, okay. they forget that it's even a thing. My second question um, it, regarding advice for our listeners is, If you find yourself coping in the cupboard and having sort of a relapse of like feeling this, like the mental strain of the banana, and I don't mean to make light of it, but that's like, no, but it's true. These these ingrained things, right? If you're getting down on yourself, how, what can you do to sort of flip and reverse it so that you don't get stuck in the lane rather that you see it as a relapse and kind of carry through? 
I always go back to the same thing every time today, for instance, I was having a bad day. I wanted to cope with food. I wanted to go downstairs and eat my feelings. Like that's just, that's life. Like that doesn't go away. So I always take it. And I always say this to myself and I always say this, it's, it's a bad day. It's not a bad life. Tomorrow's Mm -hmm. a new day. We'll start fresh again tomorrow. It's okay. Don't punish yourself tomorrow for what happened today. And I think that that's kind of the diet culture mindset is I binged, I binged. Now I don't get to eat for two days. Like that's, yeah, yeah, that's just, it's or the opposite. It spirals into a six month eating binge. Exactly. Any progress you've made is gone. And then exactly worse. (laughs) I know it's, it's, it's like, it's a disgusting cycle that just keeps happening. Take the day, take Mm -hmm. the afternoon, take the morning. It's a bad day, not a bad life. Move on to tomorrow and start fresh. And it's fine. Like it's, it's not the end of the world. If, something changed or like, for instance, it's the opposite. Maybe you didn't eat for the majority of the day and then you had Mm -hmm. one meal and then you feel guilty. And then you're like, Oh no, I feel guilty. I didn't eat. It's okay. Tomorrow morning, just prioritize breakfast, have breakfast. Then that's all you have to do is have breakfast and go from there. Just focus on the fact that it happens. It's life and that's normal. And tomorrow's a new day. And what about with your kids? Do you focus on what they eat? Because I noticed with my daughter, when I started using the word like, oh, we're going to eat healthy. She's like, no healthy. Like it's that word almost triggered her where she would be like thinking, okay, well then I don't want to have this food. If it's healthy, I only want to eat this. So now I don't use those words. Mm -hmm. I don't put as much emphasis on the food anymore. Yeah. Because I found that I was giving her a complex about the food. Yes. And that's kind of it. I mean, instinctually as parents, we just immediately go for like, you got to eat your veggies before you like, I threw that out the window ages ago. I get my my kids. (laughs) All of us have too, because autism dictates what our kids can or will eat at any given moment. Mm -hmm. So we threw expectations out a long time ago. Most of our Oh yeah, for sure. And like, I have my daughter who eats everything under the sun with some Mm -hmm. exceptions. And then my son who is the chicken finger King, he doesn't eat any meat Mm -hmm. in the world unless it comes in chicken nugget form and only certain chicken nuggets. Not, I'm sure you all know this struggle. Welcome to the table. (laughs) Exactly. But he's a toddler. It's, it's expected. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I pair his chicken nuggets with, you know, some Greek yogurt and some berries and things that I know he will eat. And I, I just try and take So for instance, like I don't take food as treats, like treats, treats are things like going to get our nails done or, you know, going to the play center or things like that. Those are treats in our household. And the food is just food and all of them have different things to help with. So for instance, like I don't say healthy, I say we need something that's going to give us energy. We need something that's going to make us strong. We need something that's going to make our bones heal and be strong. So I say nutrient dense food. So I say like, let's have some nutrient dense foods and then we can have some fun food a cookie, some ice cream, and I'll usually put them all together and they just end up eating everything. (laughs) I'm just, I like snacky options. Like, I'm just like, give me a little snacky plate and I'll be good to go. But I think it's the same for kids when you start restricting them, especially like so young. I think it just sets them up to that binging life Mm -hmm. of getting, you know, getting it. So I, 
actually my best friend, she's this health freak. It's just who she is, but she's never limited anything to her children. So it's not a novelty for them to have chips. Like if they it's had not, fruit, yeah. they would have yep. fruit because it's no big deal. She's never limited anything. She got lucky with her kids. Yep. They've never really been big, sweet candy kids, mm-hmm. but there's been no limitations to them. So they don't feel like they have to grab those chips or they have to eat all the Halloween candy because yes. it's kind of always accessible to them. Same with us. Um, everything's open. We have like a snack cupboard with the kids, all the cheeses, mm-hmm. pep- pepperoni sticks, all that's like in breach in distance. Right. And um, they obviously have to ask before they have something, but I usually never say no because they're never making yeah. crazy unless it's like, you know, first thing in the morning and my son wants an ice cream bar. I'm like, I'm not sending you to grandma's after an ice cream bar. Like, that's just mean. Um, we actually mad at grandma, your teacher, and then he gets so. two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but yeah, no, for the most part, like they're open to make their choices. They usually make good choices. And like you said, avoiding the restrictions means that they're mm-hmm. not going to have this stigma with food. Like the first time I remember, like I was young the first time that I like binged on things in secret, like in secret too. Mm -hmm. Like my kids, I've never, I've never found, you know, candy bar wrappers or things like that, like in hiding because they felt like they had to hide it. They, which is so good. Like, I feel like that's a little win for me, like just like a Mm -hmm. tiny win that they don't feel like they have to hide. I definitely try to hide eating snacks with my kids when they were little. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to share. I'm like, There's I don't that. want you to have this. This is mine. Yeah, I'm going to go in, right here in the bag real slow. <laughs> yeah. That's too funny. <laughs> One of the um, coolest things about your eat a day post is that like for me, it would give me some accountability to stay present within my stuff, not in a tracking sort of way, but just like mm. a, the presence of mind. I can imagine that it's probably provided something similar to you, but can you tell me about how your Pinterest boards fulfill, like your Pinterest challenges fulfill um, one of your interests or like how, how you came to that? The outfit challenge with my friend Sarah. Yeah. So I think, I don't even remember. So we've been doing it for quite some time now. We've had like little breaks here and there, but I think that there was a couple things we wanted to tackle with it is we wanted to kind of take the standard Pinterest fashion boards where, you know, you search an outfit style on Pinterest and it floods your page with the same body type. It's always the same Mm -hmm. body type. And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of variations of that look, but it's always on thin women for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, Very rarely do you see any different body sizes or body shapes or body. So we just thought it would be fun to take these beautiful fashion looks on these beautiful women and just recreate them for our body size so that you can see what that outfit looks like on two different body sizes. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, we wanted to kind of challenge it because, you know, overconsumption is so real. And especially in the influencer industry, we're all about what's the next hottest thing? What's the next style? Like you got to throw out all this clothes because this is in style now. And, Mm -hmm. um, like I personally stopped shopping and doing like Shein hauls. Like it's been so long since I've shopped on Shein. Just, I never will shame someone for shopping there, but when you're, Mm -hmm. you know, influencing people, I just want to like take away from like that extreme fast fashion, the, the companies that are like on another level where they're, you know, like the amount of production is like 
over the roof. So I feel like in doing this, we can then kind of see what we already have, see what we can make use of and try and repurpose things that we've already worn and like used and that we have in our closet already to show that you don't need to buy the next greatest thing. Um, you can right, look just try your t-shirt this different way or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that was like another way to kind of like challenge it. And like, obviously I still shop and I still buy things, but I'm mm-hmm. just a little bit more aware of it. And I, I, I don't shop at like the big, big, you know, fast fashion brands like Shein and Fashion Nova and things like that, because I just know that, you know, there's people who, who want to use that and it's affordable for them and it's great. But when it's me and I'm, there, the thing with the industry is like influencers will have like videos go viral because they spent like $300 at Shein and try on like Mm -hmm. 45 outfits. And that's just, you know, it's that like, give me more and more and more. And it's just more problematic than anything. So I'm like, I don't need to do that. To me, all of that content is so much more mindful. Like, I'm sorry, your version of all of these different lanes, like Mm -hmm. fashion and anti-diet and like not so much body positivity, but self-love and acceptance, I feel is like they all just complement each other to a better, healthier lifestyle Mm -hmm. that is sustainable, multi-generational, like, you know, who won't benefit from just loving yourself a little better. But I applaud you because it's hard to stand in one spot and still want to like affect all of these different lanes and layers and have it be not on brand, but like according to your genuine self. And and I feel like you've done that in such a cool way. All of the things that you've cultivated support the betterment of the person and the acceptance of where you are. I think that's cool. We talked about inner voice and our inner dialogue and sort of, I think it's so important to have moments in your life. If you haven't hit that now as a listener, you like, let this be your call to action because accepting who you are and realizing that there's ways to make it dress cute, look good, feel better, have a glass of water, not a whatever. Like there's just little tiny tweaks you can make to make loving you a little easier. Yeah. And I feel like your content does that beautifully. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. Life is too short to be like at war with yourself and to make yourself Mm -hmm. feel crummy all the time. Like you need to really kind of hone in and see what makes you feel good. The the problem is, is social media. I mean, that's oh, yeah. when kids get on and see what they see and the ads. I mean, you very rarely see a plus size person in an ad anywhere on TV. I mean, everyone is like this. I mean, it's literally the Ozempic. <laughs> it's literally like everything. So yeah. the expectations that I sound so old saying this generation, but the expectations are so unrealistic. You know, we are. Yeah. And I think we're getting better. I wouldn't say that we're, we're good and we're there yet, but I think we're getting better at calling everyone out on that too. Mm -hmm. Like we're just done. Like we're tired when, and especially now I feel like because the world is the way it is, we're headed into a recession. We're just done with seeing people, you know, flaunt their unattainable wealth and, you know, unattainable bodies because they're using Photoshop and they, like, we're just over it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're, we're fighting back a little bit now. And I feel like it's a lot easier to look on social media and look on, you know, places where there's a presence of people and see more bodies that look like you and more people that look like you, Mm -hmm. whether it be your age or, you know, your body shape or, you know, anything. It's just, 
it's just, we're going very slow and we do yeah. take some step steps back with like yeah. now with the Ozempic craze and things like that. Like it's, it's going to always be like this, but I think that we're getting better as a society as holding things like people and, you know, social accountable. Like we're like, no, we don't want to do that. Or Accountability to- for them and grace for ourselves. I feel yeah, like it's the yes. combo that we need, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've got to commend you and others like you that, are, you know, have the courage to show their real self. It's not easy to do that, you know? No. And then it, <laughs> no, it's not, right? And then it's more, not, people no. to, <laughs> more people get to see real people, not, mm-hmm. you know, not per- always the perfect looking no, person. Yeah. I even noticed, so I have two kids that are 19 and 21. And like, their expectations are so different than when I was growing up. Like they're like, they're going to wear a crop top regardless if their stomach is flat or not. They're, yes. they're like, nope, no body shaming over here. It's like, so you know? nice. It's and so yeah, it's so, yeah. it's, it is, it's so nice. And, um, you know, and it's like, you know, I think back to when I was a teenager, like you wouldn't do that. Like they're, oh, no. they're just yeah. so, they just have such a more positive outlook on their bodies and more realistic, you know, like, they're like, this is just my body. Like, you know what I mean? Like, of course, everybody has their own insecurities about stuff. But like, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just so different. These kids nowadays, I feel like the expectations are a little bit more widened with all with all of the it's like social media. It's like, I don't know, some of it's like not good, because there's all the filters and all the, you know, people can really make themselves look a lot different than they actually look. Mm-hmm. But I also think that there's a lot more real people that you're seeing not just not just people that are like perfect looking the more that you see that the more that you know it's kind of like it's easier to find a community yeah and like some things you want to surround yourself with community is the best way to finish this episode I feel like (laughs) build your community people find like-minded people loving themselves Mm -hmm. you can um follow Zoe at the pages that she mentioned before Uh, and before we close this though I want to invite you to our one last thing segment Zoe We are going to take just a moment to uh, vent or rant or share accolades about just one last thing. I will get us started tonight, uh, if that's okay with anybody else. Do you have a rant or a rave? No, we're not. No. Hit it, because I'm going to follow your lead. So you just go right ahead. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, I have one last thing. This time it's out of appreciation rather than a rant, and it's quick. Kim uh, already kind of started this bit of dialogue, but... I want to thank each of you, um, Jen, Kim, and Jamie, for sharing authentically about our lives, and Zoe, for you, for both being here and for putting up with our our shifty nature tonight. (laughs) Uh, But really, I feel so strongly about us living boldly and sharing as we do about being proud of what our families are or who we've become or the path that we've taken. Um, I think for me, the best way that we can impact people is to show them some a different way to do things. And you all do. So I appreciate that. I'm done. That's my one last thing. Well, I'm going to go with Jane? one last thing. Oh, I've done every diet under the sun, listeners. It will not make you happy. I mean, it will make you happy when you hit that number. And I've been there. But the struggle coming back and forth is, for me, it's really finding being okay with where I'm at now and cruising steady. So that's my one last thing. <laughs> Find where you're at. Jane? Oh, I'm thinking of one. Um, I will say like a couple things I thought about while we were talking. Also, what paying back off of what Jen just said, like the stress of like, you know, so many times we do those diets and they like become our identity for that little while. You know, it's like every January and February, you're like, 
Weight Watcher Queen or Keto Queen or whatever. And it's it adds so much extra stress to our lives. And I know like most of us are either parents or teachers or fathers. And it's like, do we really need that extra stress and how loving ourselves makes everything so much easier? So that's my little thought. Kimmy, do you have anything? I'm just hungry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Eat. You need to eat. That's my I final. Love- eat the food. Eat, eat, the food. eat it. Yeah. Eat it. It's okay. It's not gonna, it's gonna make you feel good. Eat it. What are you gonna have? We're having cheeseburger salad for dinner. Tonight. Oh, yum. That's so good. Like a Big Mac salad? Sort of, but we don't use the, we don't use the sauce. We just use, I, we use um, sweet medallia dressing on ours. So we do, my husband just makes cheeseburgers, cuts them up, and we do like a red pepper, lettuce, cucumber. It's actually really oh, good. God. So. Again, I don't even like ice cream and I eat a pint of it. Yeah, it's in so here. Good. Just keep trying. Enjoy your salad. Enjoy it. It'll be good. It'll be delicious. One day at a time. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And thank you again, Zoe, for being here. Thank you, Zoe. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me. It was a blast. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Talk Like a Mother Parenting Autism Podcast. If you are enjoying our podcast, make sure to rate and review us wherever you listen. And if you'd like to support us, you can become a subscriber. Just check out the description of this episode. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram for more content. And we'll see you next time.